Three unqualified morons and microphones. This is the previously recorded podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to this special edition episode of Previously Recorded. I am your host, RP, as always, and this episode of Previously Recorded is brought to you by Totally Tees. If you need a shirt and you don't have one, call Totally Tees, they'll get it done. Uh, Jack is the man over at Totally Tees. If you need anything, he will hook you up, he will get the job done. He just helped me out in a pinch, um, and I really, really appreciate it. So go check out Totally Tees. Uh, they're available on facebook and instagram um feel free to dm us or just go right to to jacket totally tees and it'll help you out with whatever you need uh mention that you came from previously recorded as well so today's episode is a little special just like i did for shang chi i'm going to be doing the same for the eternals i'm going to introduce you to the characters a little bit let you know a little bit about them because i think this is the most confusing property um in terms of people aren't really familiar with these characters at all. Like, I know Shang-Chi was a little bit of a, a newer character, but people were a little bit familiar with them. Um, even WandaVision was a little crazy, but we still, like, knew who those characters were. Um, for the Eternals, a lot of people are incredibly unfamiliar with. Uh, so I thought that this would be a great opportunity to kind of dive into who are the Eternals. So, The Eternals is an upcoming film from Marvel Studios, written by Ryan and Kaz Furpo, and directed by the Academy Award winner, Chloe Zhao. It follows a team of immortal humanoids, uh, beings who are not human but replicate and are very, very similar to humans, uh, who reunite to protect humanity from the Deviants after the emergence is ignited thanks to half the population returning thanks to the events of Avengers Endgame. So the Eternals were created by legendary comic book creator Jack Kirby after returning to Marvel Comics from DC. He had written a series for DC called New Gods that failed and decided to bring some of that basic ideology of that series to Marvel with the Eternals. Some would say too similar uh, ideology, um, but they involved epic stories about humanity, mythology, and an assortment of other science fiction topics. They made their first appearance July 1976. So the Eternals were created by the Celestials. They're all-knowing and powerful beings. Um, a well-known one in the Marvel Universe is Galactus, and a incredibly well-known one from the MCU is Ego the Living Planet. So the Celestials visited Earth one million years ago and began to experiment on the species. They wanted to replicate the human race, and the Eternals were what they created. They were also created... To destroy the monstrous and vile deviants. There's really no other way to describe the deviants other than just saying that they're the exact opposite of the Eternals, um, which you'll learn more about them later. Um, they bear no resemblance to any human and they remain completely out of sight. Uh, so they're not something that you see every day and they kind of operate in the shadows. The Eternals are only to interfere when a deviant is involved in any situation. Um, which is a strong plot point for the upcoming film as to why they did not interfere when Thanos uh, attacked Earth. So the Eternals get their powers from cosmic energy that suffuges from their bodies. It's uh, kind of a link to the Celestials as well. 
Um, but they are immune to fatigue, disease, and unaffected by environmental extremes, such as extreme heat or extreme cold, to kind of put it simply. Um, the one interesting fact about the Eternals is even though that they are immortal per se, they can die. However, they are just reborn. Um, when they are reborn, they do remember who they are and everything about themselves um, and like what they've learned and experienced and seen for the most part. Um, but sometimes they come back and they actually don't know everything. Um, so when, it, when that situation kind of happens, if they don't, it just takes them some time to remember. Um, usually they'll remember after like a, a big event happens or like a, uh, an accident or something like that. Or if another Eternal finds them, which most of the time it's Icarus coming to find them, to reunite them. Um, there is still more about them and their history, but I'll leave that for you to learn on your own when you see the movie on November 5th. So despite only making their first appearance in July of 1976, the series unfortunately ended in January 1978. From time to time, the Eternals would reappear or you know, be referenced even showing up in a Roy Thomas and Mark Gruenwald run of Thor in 1980. Uh, in this series, they were featured and they were kind of able to wrap up some of the leftover plot points that were never really resolved in the series. Um, so it kind of gave them a conclusion to their original series run. So they appeared in a few issues and that story concluded in Thor issue 301. So despite not really being super prevalent, the Eternals are still used by Marvel uh, to explain some situations. For example, they have been used to explain how certain humans can develop superpowers. Um, for example, the Titanians, uh, I believe I'm pronouncing that correct, it's just the people of Titan, have actually been retconned to be Eternals as well, or a form of them. Uh, cough, cough, Thanos is actually an Eternal, which I find incredibly fascinating. So I am curious to see if he will show up in the movie um, at some point, because the movie does take place in two different timelines, but we'll get back to that. So the Eternals didn't fully return to the comic world until 1985, when Peter Gillis wrote a 12-issue miniseries. Um, this series wasn't really widely regarded, so after it ended, the Eternals once again disappeared. The Eternals returned to the scene prominently in 2006 when Neil Gaiman and John Romana Jr. relaunched the series. This is the exact series that I believe will be inspiring the film. This series did help to rejuvenate and modernize the superhero team a bit. Uh, this limited series was only supposed to run for five issues, but Gaiman had so much of a story to tell that they actually extended it to seven. Um, and it was well received and fans did enjoy it, but once again, after it was over, it was over. The Eternals would pop up here and there in other comics, but no mainline series was greenlit again until 2021, which this is why I find it so fascinating that going to be adapted into a big screen film for Marvel, because like it, like I said, a lot of people don't know who they are and they're not incredibly prevalent in the Marvel history, but I think they're pretty cool. And my exposure to them was this John Ramada Jr. and Neil Gaiman series. Um, it was my first introduction to the superhero team, which it does kind of feel weird to call them a superhero team. They do not act or feel like the big superhero teams that we know and love, like the Avengers, the Guardians, Justice League, or, you know, even the Inhumans, if you read comics. Um, they are a very interesting set of characters that, frankly, like I said, I'm surprised Marvel is adapting. It doesn't feel like a great fit for the screen, seeing as though these characters are 
drastically different uh, than what we are used to seeing. Yes, they have awesome superpowers, but there's not large fighting sequences on every page. Um, which here I'm referencing Gaiman's run because that's my Eternals. There wasn't even like a real climactic battle, in my opinion, in that in that series as well. But it it didn't matter. It was still a really good run. What kept me interested while reading that story was the relationships between these characters and the mystery surrounding the story uh, itself, uh, which essentially was like, who are the Eternals? Where did they come from? And a little bit more, uh, but also to see a property and kind of make it its own is really what Marvel does. They take characters that we never thought would work on the screen, like WandaVision, who would have thought, you know, even Ant-Man, Thor to a degree and Guardians. Um, but they take these characters and make us love them and tell really compelling stories. So uh, I'm trusting them. And I bet you all are too. And you are going to go see it opening weekend. So let's learn a little bit about uh, each member of the Eternals. We have assembled a giant cast for you in this. This story spans thousands of years. We pull back the cosmic curtain on the MCU in ways you can't imagine. You want to meet the Eternals? Yeah! All right. Ladies and gentlemen, as Icarus, Richard Madden. Thank you, Mr. Foggy. So as he said, uh, Game of Thrones veteran Richard Madden will be playing Icarus. Icarus is known as one of the most powerful Eternals and who I thought to be the leader, but apparently that is not the case in the film. He was the one to unite the Eternals and help them to remember who they are if they have forgotten their past or who they are or even forgotten their purpose. He can fly and shoot projectile cosmic energy beams from his eyes. He's similar to Superman in some ways, if we're really being honest. Prominent in the film will be Icarus and Cersei's relationship, which will have a deep level of romance throughout the ages. These are two characters that see the world extremely differently. Icarus is more disconnected from the world due to his immortal nature. As a character who has virtually seen it all, Madden worked hard on making sure Icarus did not come off as kind of bored of everything, in quotes. Because it is possible that someone who has been alive for everything would kind of feel that way. So next up is... Playing the Eternal Kingo, Kumail Nanjiani. You heard it, folks. The great Kumail Nanjiani will be playing Kingo. Kingo is the most famous of the Eternals since he is actually a Bollywood movie star, at least in present day. Unlike the other Eternals who decide to lay low and kind of stay out of the spotlight, Kingo runs towards it. Kingo's power is that he can manipulate energy with his hands. If you've seen the trailer, you see him kind of brandishing these awesome finger guns uh, and shooting them at a deviant. To me, he seems to be the most intriguing of the Eternals and is sure to be the most fun. He also appears to be a fan or at least a collector of Avengers memorabilia because in the trailer you can see in his private plane that he has the original Captain America shield hanging up. That's right, the more traditional looking shield from Captain America the First Avenger. Um, interesting too, Kingo is the first Indian superhero in the MCU, so this is a pretty big deal, and I'm so happy that uh, Kumail is playing it, because I'm a big fan of Kumail. Next we have... As the fastest Eternal there is, Makari, Lauren Ridloff. So Lauren Ridloff will be playing Makari, who was originally a man in the comics, and is the Eternal with super speed, uh, who would have been the first to have this power in the MCU if this movie came out when it was supposed to, which was before WandaVision. She is also the first deaf character in the MCU played by a deaf actress, which I think is pretty cool. 
Uh, there actually is a point to the hero being deaf. It's so that when she runs at super speed, the sonic boom that accompanies her running doesn't affect her. She also scouts worlds for the Eternals to inhabit. Uh, in the Game and Run, Makari, known as Mark, is the Eternal you follow, and he's kind of your introduction into the world because he doesn't remember who he is. Um, so Icarus helps him to remember. So I'm really excited to see her in action, see how she does, um, and see if she will be the character that they kind of use to introduce us to this new world. And the next Eternal is... We've got as Fastos, the amazing Brian Tyree Henry. So Brian Tyree Henry, who was also in a film we covered, uh, Godzilla vs. Kong, will be playing Fastos. Fastos is a brilliant inventor with a mind for creating weapons and technology. He's helped mankind with his creations throughout the many years of his existence. So he's basically like the Tony Stark or Shuri for human civilization. So I'm curious to see of how much of that they actually put in there. Uh, he's also the first openly gay superhero in the MCU. Of course, there has been other characters, but none that was more than just a nod or a comment towards the sexuality. Uh, his family will be featured in the film with Haas Sleeman playing his husband. According to Sleeman, it was important to the team to show how loving a queer family can be rather than the sexual or rebellious depictions in some previous media. Foggy stated that the relationship was always sort of inherent in the story, and he felt it was extremely well done. Fastos is another Eternal that I am personally excited to see done on the screen. Um, so, up next. Let me introduce you to the leader of the Eternals, Ajax, played by Salma Hayek. That's right, folks. Playing the leader of the Eternals is the wonderful Salma Hayek. So, as already stated, Ajax is the leader of the Eternals. She is incredibly wise and deeply spiritual, and her special ability is that she has the power of healing. She's considered to be the bridge for the Eternals to their creators, the Celestials. And also, just like Makari, Ajax was uh, a man in the comics. So the changing uh, of Ajax from a man to a female allowed Hayek to embrace the character's femininity and also make her like a mother figure to the Eternals. She appears to be the one to reunite all of them uh, along with Icarus and alert him of the coming danger. As seen in the trailer, she tells him, we have seven days uh, to reunite everybody and save the planet, basically. Hayek was very hesitant to join the film because she thought she would have a more of a supporting role or, as she put it, a grandmother role, but that is not the case. She immediately fell in love with the character, and I expect her to be an incredibly compelling feature of the movie. She also really, really, really wanted to work with Chloe Zhao, so she was super excited to join the film after reading the script. Our next Eternal is... And playing an Eternal that is eternally stuck in a 12-year-old body, even though she's 7,000 years old, Leah McHugh as Sprite. Yep, you heard that correctly. The Eternal, who appears to be 12, but is actually 7,000-year-old, is Sprite, uh, who will be played by Leah McHugh. So Sprite's power is that she can project lifelike uh, illusions. And the one main thing about her it was already said, that she looks like a 12-year-old, even though she's... 7,000 years old, just like the rest of the Eternals, and it's something that really does infuriate her, at least in the comics. Uh, another interesting aspect of her character is that in the comic that I read, she was the famous one, so it's interesting to see her and Kingo swap like professions or their personas on Earth, but I really am curious to see how it appears that a lot of the Eternals are swapping characteristics, so I'm curious to see how they handle that, um, which I'm sure they'll do 
excellently like they always do. So next. As the powerful Gilgamesh, Don Lee. Korean actor Don Lee will be playing the strongest Eternal, which is Gilgamesh, who also has a deep connection to Thena, who will be introduced in a little bit. Um, he's very protective over his family and the humans, and he also has a good sense of humor, like most MCU heroes. And another first for the MCU, he is the first Korean superhero in the MCU, so that's pretty cool. Don Lee's a very popular Korean actor, and he's been in some really well-regarded films such as The Train to Busan, or Busan, but I'm excited to see him in this. Next. And as the warrior Thena, Angelina Jolie. Angelina Jolie will be playing the badass Thena. Uh, Thena is an acrobatic, skilled warrior who can manifest weapons out of thin air. You can see in the trailer she creates a sword and shield out of her cosmic powers, uh, which is pretty fucking cool. Um, Thena was seen as a female leader of the Eternals in the comics, um, who even has relations with Deviants, at least in the current 2021 run. Uh, but I don't believe, as I've already said, Ajax is the leader. So I don't believe she will be as influential to decision-making for the Eternal, but she's still going to be a fucking badass. Um, and one of the cool facts is to prep for the role, Jolie trained with real swords and shields and even took ballet to capture the effortless grace of Thena's fighting style. Jolie commented to EW that it's one of the weirdest things to train for because you're throwing things, grabbing things, breaking things in half, she explains. You feel like a little nuts. Uh, you're just throwing your hand out as if you're thinking, is that a sword? Is that a spear? Is it a lasso? What am I even doing? Uh, then you get into it and it gets really fun, but it's a puzzle. That's a direct quote from her. Um, and it's funny she would mention Lasso because she recently revealed that she was up for the role of Wonder Woman, but I believe she turned it down. Um, so she turned down DC, but here she is doing um, another badass role for Marvel, and I am excited to see her. Next. Now, I want to introduce you. There's a new Eternal. A new Eternal named Droog, played by the great Barry Keoghan. Barry Keoghan will be playing Droog, who Feige says is a new character, or at least a new Eternal. Um, but Droog's been in both series that I've read, so maybe he just meant like new to the Eternals. I thought he was considered it, but who knows. Or maybe he even just misspoke. But um, So Droog has the ability to manipulate the minds of others. He's probably the most deceiving of all the Eternals. He's very aloof and a bit of a loner, uh, but I do know that fans are really excited to see Kyogen's take on the character. And last but not least, as our final Eternal Cersei, we have Gemma Chan. So Gemma Chan makes her MCU return um, playing Cersei. So she originally was in Captain Marvel as Minerva. She was the blue character um, that was on the Kree side. So it's always weird to see an actor play a character in the MCU again. But like we had um, the actress who played Mariah, I believe that's her name, the villain in Luke Cage. She also was the mom of the student that died over in Sokovia in Civil War that kind of prompted everything. Um, but Cersei is an empathetic eternal with a strong connection to the Earth and the humans that live on it. The contrast to her lover, Icarus, as I said uh, earlier. So Cersei's power is that she can manipulate inanimate matter. Uh, this was also in the trailer. She transforms a car into a, a bunch of flower petals uh, when it's being thrown at them. She's helped humanity along the way in various ways that I can't wait to see shown in the film. Feige describes Cersei as being the true lead of this film. 
Chan and director Chloe Zhao worked hard on Cersei, wanting her to be a nuanced female hero that is rarely seen in this genre. Cersei is going to invite viewers to rethink what it means to be a superhero, according to Zhao. Currently, her job on Earth is she's a museum curator, and she's dating Kit Harrington's Dane Whitman. Um, so Dane Whitman is known to be Black Knight in the comics, which I'm sure... Marvel being Marvel, we will get an introduction to Black Knight at some point. It may not be in this film. It may be teased. Who knows? Uh, but that's the team. Um, that's kind of everything you need to know to get a basic rundown before we learn more about them when the film hits theaters. Um, but I feel like that gave you a good overview of who they are. And so now one of the aspects that I find most fascinating is, uh, you know, behind the scenes stuff and the production of the movie itself. So Eternals was announced that it was in development in April of 2018. A month later, they had their writers in Ryan and Kaz Furpo. The screenwriting cousins team got to work on an outline that involved a love story between Cersei and Icarus, with Cersei as the film's lead. Feige expressed interest in having the Eternals be this kind of ancient alien sci-fi trope that they become like the inspiration for myths and legends throughout the MCU history, uh, which I definitely believe we are going to see in this film. Um, and I'm curious to see how they do it as well, because that's like a very, like, like very like North mythology or, you know, like ancient beliefs and stuff like that, where they believe that, you know, these gods were responsible for everything on earth or that they are like the god of mischief, like Loki, like things like that, if, if you kind of know what I'm saying. So I'm sure I'm sure we're going to see a lot of that in the MCU and how they've influenced things uh, for sure. Sorry if I didn't really express that that well, but um I hope you get what, I, what I'm saying. Um, so, with the script already underway, it was time to find the director. They had narrowed down to three options, which they were Travis Knight, who directed Kubo, which is an animated film, uh, Nicole Castle, which she directed uh, the HBO shows, um, Vinyl, Leftovers, and Watchmen. She kind of feels like a really good fit, honestly. And then Chloe Zhao, who did Nomadland, who actually was a frontrunner for Black Widow. But ultimately, they went with um, Kate Shortland uh, for Black Widow. But they were really nervous about her like getting away or getting picked up by another big studio. So they latched on to her and loved her understanding and idea of what the Eternals should be. So her talent for like understanding and visually exploring spiritualism, her scope and ability to beautifully capture landscapes, relationships, and individualism really makes her the perfect choice for this film. And while she knocked her pitch out of the park, um, because this is going to be a very spiritual complex. And I believe sometimes lonesome film due to the characters that will be on the screen. So Zhao had grand plans for the MCU, uh, which that hooked Marvel immediately. They hired her in September and she wished for the film to have the scope, the size of Endgame, but the intimacy of a small independent film, pulling influences from Kirby's original work, other MCU products, and her love for science fiction, fantasy films, and especially uh, manga. So she noted that she liked Magna. Uh, she hoped that these influences would help create uh, a marriage of kind of the East and the West. 
Um, another first uh, for this film is that Zhao is the first Chinese-born MCU director. So Marvel's next phase is focused on not only bringing some kick-ass stories and characters to the screen, but also very diverse ones. Characters that all of their fans around the world can relate to, and Eternals was a perfect choice to emphasize this. Uh, with a vast group of characters and beings that have lived for an eternity, it only makes sense for this team to be as diverse as they are. So the film script was finally complete. The film would tell a 7,000 year story exploring humanity's place in the cosmos. You might wonder how are we to relate to these immortal characters. Zhao put it perfectly. The Eternals have lived among us for so long they have the same struggles we do. Like identity, purpose, faith, personal freedom versus doing what's right for the greater good. All the duality and flaws that make us human. Marvel understood that with this type of story they are telling, these characters would likely be a family unit with relationships that would turn into frenemies, then enemies, and then at some point you come back to friends. So there's definitely going to be some history or even, I guess you want to call it baggage, um, between these characters. So that's also one of the mo parts of like the, this, the movie that I'm really looking forward to is the relationships between these characters uh, because that's the same reason I fell in love with the comic. So Zhao also noted that she looked at Earth as like the 11th character of the story, chronicling its journey alongside the Eternals. Um, I'm expecting to see at least one major moment throughout human history in the film, like a fun little thing they can play with that I always enjoyed, like that, you know, fiction, like historical fiction, like stuff like that. So, so I'm really curious to see if they do anything like that. Um, Feige said it was at times a challenge to balance the grounded nature of the MCU with the mythic grandeur of the Eternals property. So with everything, you know, ready and set to go, the film went into pre-production. So it was officially announced in July of 2019 uh, at San Diego Comic-Con, where he announced the star-studded cast that, that's where the clips uh, from earlier, are actually from, um, and that it would release on November 6, 2020. The film would take place about eight months after the events of Avengers Endgame and address why the Eternals did not interfere in any past conflicts in the MCU. This was kind of the biggest question and mystery for fans uh, about a group of immortal beings being introduced at the 26th movie in the film saga. Like, where have they been? Why have they not inter interfered? Um, especially with Thanos, who is an Eternal, but I'm not sure if they're going to address that in the movie. Um... But as I've said before, it's because they are only instructed to interfere with the Deviants. Um, and that is the Celestials rule. And the Celestials are scary and powerful, so you might understand why they might listen. Um, the film has been confirmed to take place at two different points in time. One being present day where the team is fractured and the other in the past. I assume when the Eternals were united and like ass-kicking team, they're going to focus on some of that to show you, you know, them at their height and how great they were. Um, Foggy has said that the film will have major ripple effects on the future of the MCU. Um, so filming began in July 2019 at Pinewood Studios in England. Lots of major blockbusters have actually been shot there. There's a 007 stage, um, there's a Harry Potter stage, um, and even the Star Wars sequel trilogy was shot there. So some of the big, uh, big films that have been shot there. So it also took place uh, on location, which is a big part of the film's look. Uh, Marvel allowed Zhao the creative freedom to make this movie exactly as she wanted. Um, this is one of the more practical effects like and practical scenery films in recent history for Marvel. 
Um, Zhao is all about the natural lighting, um, which brings a beautiful glow and look to the film. It's kind of what she's known for, um, and that can be seen really, really profoundly in her film Nomadland that won the Academy Award for Best Film. Um, so there has been a lot of discussion about practical and CGI sets um, for this film. So in November 2019, they headed to the Canary Islands to film some of the scenes that take place in what I believe will be Babylon, which is in the past. Um, one of the crazy fucking things about this, it was on one of the days the entire cast and crew had to be evacuated because they found an explosive device planted on one of the surrounding islands. The device was thought to be a remnant from a Nazi base on the island. So... They kind of packed up and left, and the rest of the film was filmed back in London and various places around the country. So filming officially wrapped on February 4th, 2020, but unfortunately due to the pandemic, the film had to be pushed and is now scheduled for November 5th, 2021. It only got pushed a year, which isn't too, too bad. Um, it was noted in, in January of 2021, Zhao had revealed that she was also a writer on the film and that additional filming would be done in February 2021 in L.A., which means they probably tinkered with it and did reshoots, which is very, very common, um, especially if you're sitting with the film for that long. Uh, but she brought in Dylan Tikanor and Craig Wood to serve as co-editors. Tikanor added that Zhao usually edits her own movies and has very, very strong opinions, but relied on them for their help due to the size of this film and being busy with the award season for Nomadland, which I guess if you're going to have an excuse is because you're too busy collecting awards for your Academy Award winning movie. Uh, the pandemic allowed them to continue to tinker with the film, which will probably be for the better, as I said, as more time on a project is never a bad thing. So that kind of wraps up this episode about The Eternals. Um, it was quick and concise, but I also hope you learned something and are now even more excited for the film. Um, I'm super excited for the film. I've been saying it for at least a year Um and of course, Spider-Man coming out and all that stuff has, you know, jumped to the forefront and kind of pushed my excitement for this down. But I am really excited to see something new, something fresh, um, and quite frankly, different from Marvel, which Marvel is doing a bunch of different shit. So I, I mean different lightly, um, but it's a risk in terms of characters because people might not buy into them. Um, but if you're anything like me, you're always going to give Marvel a chance. They have a proven track record. 25 movies they have all their shows on disney plus they take a stab at animation it works too um so i'm really excited i hope you all are too and i hope you enjoyed this episode um if you did remember to go leave us a rating um and mention that on apple uh podcast or hit subscribe so you never miss an episode and follow us on all of our social medias at previously are um so i'm your host rp and i hope you enjoy this and so we are also in the month of October, so we got some fun Halloween stuff coming up in two weeks uh, on here, and then all month over at the Gateway Gamers, we're going to play some cool Halloween-based games um, to kind of get us in the season, and uh, so go check that out as always. Um, so thanks for listening, and have a good one. <laughs>